This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me to the gospel according to Mark. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 2. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 2. And we come this morning to verse number 13. Mark chapter number 2 and verse number 13. We'll read together through uh, verse number 17. And then, God willing, we'll pick up this evening in verse number 18. Mark chapter number 2 and verse number 13, the Bible says, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want you to notice what we read in verse number 17, the response of the Lord Jesus to the criticism uh, and the dismay of the Pharisees. When he said in, in verse number 17, they that are whole have no need of the physician. I want to speak to you on the physician. The physician of our souls. And as we come to Mark chapter number 2, we find something about this physician of our souls we find that the doctor is in. And not only is he in, but he is ready to see those who need him. As we come to this portion of Scripture, we understand that the Lord Jesus is ministering in Galilee. In fact, he is in Capernaum. And there in Capernaum and throughout all of Galilee, he has demonstrated his power and his authority over sin. In the previous verses that we studied the last time we met together and looked at this passage, we saw that the Lord Jesus healed the paralytic man. And before he healed him physically, he healed him spiritually by saying to him, Thy sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the scribes who were seated there, inwardly in their hearts, they had 
thoughts of contempt and disdain toward Jesus and they question who can forgive sins and Jesus to demonstrate that he had the power and authority to forgive sins healed this paralytic man. And now as we come to verse number 16, we find that he has gone out of the house, he has gone out by the seaside and he has called unto him a man named Levi who was a tax collector, a publican, and Levi has answered the call. He said, I'm going to follow you. Later on, Levi hosts a dinner in his home, and Jesus is among the guests. And not only is Jesus there and his disciples, but Levi has his closest friends. And he wouldn't have a lot of uh, friends who had a high reputation in the community. In fact, his friends would be among the lowest of the low. They would be the kind of people everybody wanted to stay away from. They were classified and by the Pharisees as sinners and publicans. And when they saw him, they said in verse 16, how is it? How is it that he, the one who claims to be the son of God, the one who has this power over unclean spirits and has power to heal the sick and has uh, professed to have power to uh, forgive sin. How is it that this one who says that he has come from God, how could he eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And the Lord Jesus answers their question here. As we look at this passage, I want you to notice three things with me as we consider uh, the physician of our souls. Number one, I want you to see the sinful publicans. Secondly, I want you to see the sanctimonious Pharisees. And thirdly, I want you to see the soul physician. The soul physician. Let's look together again, and we note, first of all, the sinful publican. Verse number 13, the Bible said, And he, that is Jesus, went forth again by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. There's Jesus doing what he does, preaching the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we should learn from his example, and we should learn from his ministry what it is that God has called us to do. We need to continue to give the news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And along the way, as he is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, the people are following him outside, out by the seashore. Verse 14, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. As we study the Bible, we are going to learn that this Levi is known more commonly to us as Matthew, the disciple of Jesus who wrote, pen for us the gospel according to Matthew. And so we find out where he came from and how he got his start. And the Lord Jesus sees him by the seashore. And the Bible tells us in verse 14, he was sitting at the receipt of custom. And Jesus said unto him, follow me. And he, that is Levi, arose and followed him. And so we find uh, this man, this sinful Publican, of all the people that one would 
associate themselves with. One who was going about as a, a leader of religion to bring people to God of all the people that you would have chosen to associate with in those days. A publican would have been the last person you would have ever wanted to associate with. But that is exactly the person that Jesus sees and Jesus calls to himself. You see, a, a publican was among the most hated people in all of Galilee and all of Judea. Let me just give you a little background about a publican. A publican worked for or on behalf of the Roman government. Remember, Galilee and Judea, all of that region was under Roman rule. And people who were uh, living in those days who were ambitious business people, they would, much as you would get a McDonald's franchise, they would get a franchise to assess taxes in certain areas. The Roman government would tell them, all right, if we give you this territory to assess the taxes in this territory, then this is what we expect you're going to collect. Everything above and beyond that, that's for you. And so you can imagine the abuses that took place. There were two general types of taxation that took place in these days. First of all, there was a fixed tax. There were three types of fixed taxes. There was a poll tax. In other words, just because you were alive and in a certain age bracket, you paid a tax. And then secondly, there was uh, something very common or, or, or similar to our property tax. So you paid a portion of all that you grew on your land and uh, similar to a property tax. And then there was an income tax. And those were the fixed taxes. There, there, there weren't really a lot of uh, open-ended debates about what you would pay. It was pretty much assessed what you would pay. Not only were there fixed taxes, but then there were variable taxes. And uh, those taxes would be uh, charged to those who would travel on a Roman road, uh, those who would move goods back and forth. Their goods were open to inspection at any time by a scribe or a Roman official. And you could be charged for anything that you possessed and carried along the Roman road. Uh, there were taxes for docking in harbors. There was a tax on a cart. If you had a cart you were pulling goods on, they would tax you for the cart. In fact, they would tax you for each wheel that you had on the cart. Now you know where Catawba County got the idea, right? <laughs> All of these taxes that took place. In fact, we see he's by the seaside, and we understand the fact that... Uh, Archaeologists and historians tell us that the fishing industry, which was very prominent in Galilee, was taxed. And so if you caught your fish, you had to pay your tax. Can you imagine? I, I, I would just venture to say that Andrew and Peter and James and John, the fishermen, they probably knew this guy Levi. In fact, they'd probably been assessed some pretty high taxes by him. 
and they probably did not have a very favorable opinion. Not only do we find that the Pharisees probably didn't like him, but you can imagine the disciples didn't either. And so this publican, he, he would be considered, uh, as a Jew, he would be considered uh, a hated person uh, there in Galilee. The, the Pharisees were, were, or the Pharisees rather, the publicans rather, were viewed as a disgrace to their family. I mean, it's not like uh, the grandmother would get together with her friends and say, I'm so proud of my grandson, he's a publican. No, that would be the last thing she would ever say. And so they were, they were considered to be a disgrace to their family. Uh, they were ineligible to sit in a court proceeding. They couldn't serve in a jury. They, they couldn't uh, represent anyone in, in a court of law. They were ineligible to do so, and they were expelled from the synagogue. So you couldn't go to church in Galilee if you were a publican, if you were a tax collector. And by the way, they, they were hated for a reason because when they would excise these taxes and charge people these taxes, they would often abuse their power because everything they kept over which was owed to the Roman government Everything they charged, they kept it. And so they were known for their abuses. And they were hated people. And, and so we find that when Jesus comes to Galilee, uh, to the seaside, he sees this man and he is sitting at the receipt of custom. He's at the booth. He's at the place, you know, where you pay the toll. He, he's sitting outside the dock collecting the tax from the fisherman, he's there. And Jesus looks at him. Jesus sees him. And he calls him and says, follow me. Though he was among the most hated people in all the land. And though we're going to marvel that Jesus calls this man, it's amazing, I think, also to consider that at the word, follow me, the man obeyed. And he was willing, as Luke tells us in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 28, not only to follow Jesus, but to leave it all. Because when he got up from that booth, I want you to know he knew that he would never return. It's not as if he said, okay, I'll follow you today. No, he answered the call of Jesus to a lifetime commitment of following him. And when he left that booth, he left behind all the opportunities that he had been afforded to earn an income and live the way he had been living, which we can understand was pretty, um, a, a pretty nice lifestyle other than the fact that everybody in town hated him. And so we see this man answers the call of Jesus. Jesus sees him. And he calls him and he answers. And, 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 and what we find is that when Jesus saw him, he did not see him for who he was. But he saw him for what he would make him. Now when he saw him, he noted something about Levi. He noted that he was a sinful, hated man who was longing to be delivered. 
In his heart, he knew he needed God. In his heart, he was... He had run the race. He had run the course of sin and he knew it was altogether vanity. He was empty in his heart. He was sick and tired of the scorn and the ridicule and the enmity that he received on a daily basis from his own people and here's an offer to salvation and no doubt he'd heard about Jesus. I mean, he's in Galilee. He's outside Capernaum. No doubt he'd heard the reports of the healings and the devils being cast out. No doubt people had stood in line to pay their toll and talked about the authoritative preaching of Jesus. And he wondered in his heart, can this Jesus do for me what he did for them? And now he meets him face to face. And Jesus sees him. And Jesus calls him. It is said that the great Italian sculptor Donatello was commissioned to sculpt the statue of an Old Testament prophet. And so the workmen brought him a block of marble quarried from the quarries of Carrera. Upon examination of that block of marble, Donatello uh, rejected it because of its imperfections. And so the block laid useless in the court of the cathedral until one day an artist saw it. And he decided that he would take that imperfect block rejected by Donatello and he would begin to work on it to make something of it and he began to form a sculpture and two years later he unveiled that statue in January of the year 1504. Many artists gathered there to see what Michelangelo had created. He created perhaps one of his most famous works, if not his most famous work, the Statue of David. Out of that rejected piece of marble. I want to tell you, that's what Jesus does. He takes the guy or the gal who is full of sin, who is outside the norm of society, who may be socially unacceptable to others and that is the kind of person he calls and you know how I know that because he called me and do you know how you should know that because he called you and if you don't recognize yourself as that then you have not the spirit of the publican and sinner who came to Jesus you have the spirit of the Pharisee who looked down their pious noses at these sinners and publicans. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you heard Jesus call? Levi did. Has he called you? Has there come a time when you've been confronted with who he is and who you are? And you heard him call you? And if that's true, have you answered that call? Maybe today he's speaking to you. Follow me. He doesn't have to say much more than that, does he? Just follow me. And Levi followed. I want you to see something else secondly. I want you to see not only here the sinful publicans, but I want you to see the sanctimonious Pharisees. 
The scene shifts in verse number 15 from the seaside to the home of Levi. The Bible says in verse 15, And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. An amazing thing happened here. A man who answered the call of Jesus, a man who was hated by the Jews but loved by Jesus, had his life transformed. And people began to see and wonder, what happened to Levi? I mean, he didn't show up for work the next day. And the next day, or the next day. And maybe they thought, you know, I, I think he's serious about this. And he was, wasn't he? His life was transformed. And so, to honor the Lord and to show his gratitude for the Lord, he has a feast in his home and he invites the Lord Jesus and his disciples. And he's got another great idea. Hey, not only do I need to invite the Lord Jesus, but I need to invite the only people on this earth who will associate with me, sinners and publicans. You know, it was said to the publicans that if you didn't have the money to pay the tax, the exorbitant tax that you were charged, then the publicans would be glad to loan you the money at a very high rate of interest. And the publicans, to help enforce the payment of that loan, they had their guys that were with them. Uh, this was a notorious crowd of people that was associated or willing to be associated with this group called the publicans. But here, Matthew says, I, I want to honor the Lord, Levi. I want to honor the Lord, and I want to get my friends to Jesus. And so he has them in his home. Now, we notice what the text says in verse number 15. They're eating in the house of Jesus. And many publicans and sinners are sitting together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many. And notice these last few words in verse 15. And they... What's the next word? They followed him. Levi followed him. Jesus said, follow me. He arose and followed him. So Levi has the meal. He brings his friends. They sit together at the table with Jesus. What do you think it was they were talking about? What was his mode of operation? To preach the gospel of the kingdom. And as they heard the gospel of the kingdom, what happened to them? They followed him. They did what Levi did. They recognized who he was and they put their faith and trust in Christ. And they became his disciples. Now most of us, had we been there, would have said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you imagine if Mr. Odom had got up and given us the report? We had the dinner at Levi's house and Jesus was there and there were 50 sinners who came to Jesus. 
what would we say? Hallelujah. Amen. At least most. But when the Pharisees found out about it, they weren't happy. Notice what the Bible says in verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Now we need to understand something about these Pharisees. They were religious leaders. They were a, a sect of religious leaders. And what they specialized in was really separatism. They, they, they subscribe to an extra-biblical position. Let me tell you what extra-biblical means. It means they went beyond the Bible. And the Bible says that they held the traditions of men in more reverence and more authoritatively than they held the very law of God. The scribes were the teachers of the law, and, 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 and they, they were to teach the word of God, the, the, the scriptures, but the, the Pharisees taught the traditions of men in addition to the Pharisees. For example, let me give you uh, just this piece of information. They followed 613 commandments. There were 248 do's. And there were 365 don'ts. And they prided themselves on their ability to follow the 613 commandments. But as Jesus told them, they didn't follow them. They laid those burdens on the people, but they themselves did not follow them. And so what they had done is they had departed from the Old Testament. They had departed from the spirit of the law. They had departed from the very notion that a man is justified by faith. In fact, that is exactly how the Bible tells us Abraham was saved. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And so they added to the law of God and they created a religious system that majored on externals. We have to do this and we can't do that. And they got so involved in it, they came up with 613 things you could and could not do. It was impossible to keep up with. It was a burden. And they thought to themselves, we are the people who follow these things, and therefore we are righteous, and we can't believe that this one who professes to be the Son of God the Messiah would associate with those lowly sinners and publicans. Now, I want you to notice about these Pharisees, this question, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? It reveals much about their hearts, does it not? Let me tell you what it reveals about them. Number one, it reveals their envy of Jesus. You know what a big problem these scribes and Pharisees had? They didn't want to give up their position. They did not want to give up their power. They were seen commonly in those days as the religious people. And when Jesus came on the scene and he did not 
uh, marched lockstep with them, in fact, diametrically opposed to them, and he was drawing a following. And he had power to preach, unlike them. And he had power to cast out unclean spirits, unlike them. And he had power to heal, unlike him. The people followed him, and they were envious of Jesus. Here's something else we note about them. They were filled with pride. You see, while they found it easy to point out the sins of others, they failed to see their own sin. They, they had the wrong measuring stick. You see, they measured their righteousness by the wrong standard. They measured their righteousness by the laws that they developed and they measured their own righteousness in comparison to the sinners and the publicans. But that's the wrong standard altogether, isn't it? You see, when you have the wrong standard, you can come to the wrong conclusion. But if you have the right standard, you can come to the right conclusion. And what they failed to do is measure up not to what other men were doing. What they failed to do was understand they had to measure up to the righteousness of God. Hey, guess what? None of us even come close. And they didn't see that because they were filled with pride. Here's something else we understand. They misunderstood Jesus' purpose. They expected the Messiah to just, you know, pin a badge on them. I appreciate you boys. We'd be falling apart if it weren't for you boys. I'm telling you what, if it wasn't for you and your church, this whole thing would be a mess. That's what they expected. But that's not what they got. They expected that Jesus was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire and set up his rule and reign right there, and then he would give them prominent positions in the kingdom. They didn't expect him to come as a lowly servant to suffer and bleed and die for the sins of humanity. They misunderstood his purpose. And when they saw him with sinners, by the way, doesn't this make sense? If Jesus has power to forgive sin, doesn't it make sense that sinners would gravitate to Jesus? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the crowd that needs him. And so they misunderstood their purpose. Let me give you a fourth thing about this, about their hearts. They condemned the sinners and publicans and they justified themselves. They said, well, that group, I mean, you, you, apparently Jesus does not understand who that group is and that we have nothing to do with them. Apparently, he, he just doesn't get it. They're as wicked as they can be. We're the righteous crowd. We're the group he ought to be having dinner with. And so they condemn the sinners and publicans, and they justified themselves. That's the sanctimonious Pharisees. By the way, they're still in operation today. They're still in operation. The spirit of the Pharisees, it still exists today. It could exist in this auditorium. 
It could exist in this church. Why, why, why are we bringing those people here? I mean, don't they know any better? Why would you ever want that person to do anything? That's the wrong question. Here's the right question. God, why would you ever want me? And so we come to the third thing, and that is the soul physician. And I thought you could spell that any way you want to. S-O-L-E, because he's the only one. But what I mean to say is he's the physician of your soul. S-O-U-L, the soul physician. Verse 17, the Bible says, And when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus, having heard their question, replied with a proverb, and that proverb illustrates his purpose. And really what this proverb does is it teaches us there are two groups of people. It teaches us that there are those who are whole, and there are those who are sick. Those who are whole and those who are sick. The Bible speaks in the context of, of the physical doctor and Jesus saying those who are whole, they're healthy. They don't need a physician. But those who are sick do need a physician. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that everyone that the doctor came to see they were all sick. They were sin sick. The Bible teaches us very clearly that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches us in Romans that by one man's disobedience, sin and death has passed upon all men. And just as by one man's disobedience, sin and death passed, upon all men, by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, righteousness and everlasting life can be ours in him. He's the physician. He's got the cure. He is the cure. And so he said to those fellows, he said, hey, they that are whole need no physician. And in other words, here's the problem with the sanctimonious Pharisees. They were as sick as any sinner and publican could have been. They just had a different set of symptoms. And they refused to acknowledge their sickness. Those sinners and publicans, that crowd, they knew. They knew they were a mess. And they knew they needed forgiveness. And they gladly came to Jesus. They gladly received and sought for his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And they were glad to follow the one who redeemed them. That's my crowd. I hope that's your crowd. 
But that other crowd, we're good. We're good. We don't need you. We've got our system. We're pretty good people. We'll be just fine. They would not come to the physician because they did not acknowledge their need. And because they did not acknowledge their need, they died of a fatal disease. Now, friend, I want to tell you, we all have that disease. It's sin. And there's only one way to be delivered. That's through the person of Jesus. He's the sole physician. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you and make you free. He'll give you a new heart. He will truly make you whole. Here's the question. Will you come to him? The last thing on earth I want to do is go to the doctor. How many of you know what I mean? My wife said, you need to go to the doctor. You're 50. <laughs> you haven't been to the doctor in a while. I said, I don't want to go to the doctor. I said, I want to lose 20 more pounds before I go to the doctor. You see what I'm trying to do? Same thing you're trying to do. I'm trying to treat myself. My grandmother, I remember when she would, would get sick, everything was a sinus problem. I jokingly said to her, you don't need a doctor, Granny. You you got sinus problems. You, in fact, the, the root of all problems are sinus problems. And, you know, you say silly things when you're young. She was diagnosing herself. And there is an extent, as we get more familiar with ourselves, we, we sort of know what the problem is. But the truth of the matter is we do that oftentimes because we don't want to see the doctor. But the doctor's in. And you need to recognize that you can't treat yourself. There's only one who can treat you. There's only one who can make you whole. And his name is Jesus. Will you come to him? If you haven't, you need to. You can do so today. And here's his invitation. Just two words. Follow me. Levi didn't need any explanation about what all that entailed. He just knew who said it. It was Jesus. And he knew he needed it. And so he did it. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing this morning to follow Jesus? Then come to him. And then let me ask you, have we allowed the spirit of the Pharisees to creep into our thinking? 
We have the right doctrine, we think, we believe. We do. We have the right position on a lot of things, but sometimes we have the wrong spirit, don't we? And we sort of look at people and expect them to be able to keep our 613 rules. We got the wrong attitude. We got the wrong spirit. And we need God to help us. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're too good. You know, somebody said there's nobody too bad to get to heaven. Just people who are too good to get to heaven. Maybe you've never acknowledged you're a sinner. You need Jesus. If you don't do that, you won't get to heaven. So I hope you'll come to him today. And I hope God will help us to purify and purge our hearts of any pharisaical spirit that we could have. And may God help us like Jesus would have us to go after the people who are hated and rejected and unloved by this world. And I want to tell you, that's a pretty big group. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.